the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. At the start of this week, global technology and consulting group Accenture announced that 890 staff in Ireland would be made redundant. This followed on from 400 employees leaving the business in March and brings to almost 20% the number of Irish roles impacted by job cuts this year at the company. Of course, other big tech companies here have announced layoffs over the past year, with potentially more to follow. Ian McCardle is Deputy General Secretary of the Communications Workers' Union, which has members in Accenture. You'll hear him talk about the impact of these huge job cuts on Accenture staff, the types of roles that are impacted, and the starting salaries of some of those affected by the job cuts, which are not as high as you might think. He also wants legislative change from the government to give tech workers more rights in these situations. Phil Codd is Managing Director of Explio, a technology consulting group and a rival of sorts for Accenture. In spite of more than 3,000 technology jobs being cut in Ireland over the past 12 months, he tells me why he's optimistic about the future of the sector. And he believes there could be sufficient demand out there from employers for those Accenture workers being laid off. I began by asking Ian McCardle to outline the latest state of play for Accenture workers and what they've been told by the company. Well, look, what the staff have been told so far by Accenture is this is kind of a a right-sizing of their global operations and the net effect for Ireland is 890 jobs are going to go. Uh, We're going to see a headcount reduction of 890. And look, this follows very closely on the back of um, announcements made in March. 400 staff were, were let go then. So you're talking in terms of about 1,300 staff who are going to mm. be uh, leaving the business. And really, I suppose it has left staff feeling distraught and devastated. We have a lot of uh, people who survived the call, as they described it, in March, who now find themselves in the firing line for redundancy at this point in time. So it's really left staff feeling um, quite, I suppose, alone and vulnerable, precarious and disposable is, is how they've described themselves. Um, so really quite a bit of shock uh, among staff at the moment. What kind of roles are we talking about? Well, it's a mix. Um, they've they've said that they're going to reduce roles across a number of the key sort of segments within Accenture. Give us a flavour for that. Uh, well, the bulk of our members would be in, in content moderation, not confined specifically to content moderation. You'd have people in other tech roles, if you like, across the the outsourced business operations within within Accenture. So there's a quite a wide variety of roles that are going to be affected by it. Um, the news that they've heard so far is not clear, to be honest. There, there seems to be a suggestion that it's a last in, kind of first out in, in some teams. Um, but that doesn't seem to be universally applied. Now, the news is very fresh, of course. And I suppose that will all be told through the employee engagement piece that has to happen as part of a collective redundancy programme like this. So how many members do you have, does the CWU have in Accenture? Well, look, we have a significant number of members in Accenture, but I don't want to give a, a specific number. Um, so are we talking hundreds or thousands? You're talking best part of three figures, yeah. And I mean, look, the, the difficulty we have in companies like Accenture, not confined to Accenture, is there's a prevailing uh, culture of secrecy, a prevailing, prevailing culture of... Um, non-transparency, non-disclosure agreements are very much a feature of the employment contract. So the people that approached us, we would have had members before the announcement in March um, of this year who just generally wanted to to do something to protect themselves in the workplace, wanted to maybe try and change the workplace culture. Um, But since the announcement in March and subsequently that membership has grown, 
but they still feel very vulnerable and they still feel quite uh, afraid to put their heads above the parapet. And as a result of that, we need to be very careful about what we say um, publicly. Now, we would call upon Accenture, obviously, to sit down with the trade union, with the CWU, uh, particularly in the context of this redundancy programme, to discuss um, how we can minimise the redundancies, maximise the enhanced package, I presume there will be one, and ultimately um, play a role to support the staff in a very, very difficult time. There has been a suggestion that some of these roles are actually going to go to other countries. Is that we, your knowledge? We, we, we haven't heard that, but the fact is Accenture are a global operation and they would have content moderation um, se- segments of the business in places like Manila and Asia and other parts of the world. So that, that is potentially um, there for them to do, but we haven't been, that information hasn't been public yet. And for which companies are your members doing this content moderation? Well, the main one is probably Google, um, but the, the, they would work across a, ver- a variety of contracts, YouTube, Facebook, etc. You know, there's, the content moderation would be across the main social media platforms. Right. Phil Codd, you're at the coalface uh, in, in this industry. Do you see yourself as a competitor? Tell us a little bit about Explio. Do you see yourself as a competitor to Accenture? Yeah, we, we, we compete. Um, we, we do our, our, our part in the marketplace. So yes, Accenture is a is a competitor of ours. Um, I, I think on a, on a global stage, though, and, and, and that's something I think we've got to get into when we get to the impact in, in Ireland. Um, you know, their their business is is different to ours, and you have to remember their their global headquarters is is here in Ireland. So a lot of the the, the functions that they have that may be impacted by uh, the announcement. Um, you know, we wouldn't actually have ourselves. But from from the tech industry point of view, and um, the work that we would do in in, in the uh, the tech sector, and that they do, and, and, and others like them, um, in Ireland, as I said at the the beginning of the year, it's it's still a very buoyant and vibrant market. Um, there's still a lot of growth in the Irish market. Now, when we look at the announcement from from Accenture, and as Ian said, that you know, there's probably a global element to this. Um, so is it what's happened in Ireland has caused Accenture to make this this announcement or is it what's happened globally? And I suspect it is what's happened uh, and is happening globally. And that's the same for all the other large-scale companies that we saw earlier on this year making those big announcements. Was it's not really what's happening in Ireland is causing them to have to cut the workforce. It's it's the global uh, impacts, the macroeconomics, the obviously the, the conflict in, in Ukraine, uh, the impact that we've had on, on energy costs and therefore the costs on inflation um, and uncertainty. So that's something we're, we're, we, we see ourselves with, with clients. But when I get down to how is how solid is the tech industry in Ireland today, I would say it's very, very solid um, and the companies are, are growing. So it's really disappointing to hear that there's large-scale redundancies again. Um, and... I'd, I'd, I'd hope that actually the majority of those people will find, um, you know, employment and, and employment quickly. We run a, a, a business transformation index each year, which kind of looks at what's going on in the marketplace. And one of the things that it tells us is, um, you know, still today, skills shortages is one of those disablers um, for a lot of Irish companies. So they're still looking for those tech skills. And I'd hope if, if it's the content moderators or whatever other part of the, the, the workforce in Accenture are being affected by this, that they can actually get absorbed. 
Um, and again, I go back to earlier on in the year where um, you know other large U.S. multinationals typically had made these sort of announcements. Um, you know, we we didn't see a massive increase in in unemployment. Um, the 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 job boards and the the job companies, um, you know, have continued to show that there's there's still a demand for those. So whilst it's 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 awful and it, it's it's a difficult decision, I know, to make that decision within within Accenture. Um, and to impact so many people, but it's I would 20%, hope. Twenty percent. I mean, just yeah, it's, it's a big number. But I would hope here. that you know, many of them, if not all of them, fairly quickly will actually be able to find uh, either new roles within Accenture or roles you know with companies yeah. such as Explio. I know it's multiple roles. Um, it's not just one one sort of segment. But uh, Ian mm-hmm. mentioned the fact that content moderation is impacted in this latest um, job cutting. Uh, announcement by Accenture. It doesn't strike me now that content moderation is on the wane uh, globally. Now, maybe AI is beginning to impact in terms of the need for human interaction, but I would have thought content moderation is just going to continue to explode. So why do they need to cut content moderation jobs in Ireland? A difficult one to answer because I'm I'm not in Accenture. But um, again, you, you you know you mentioned that there are other technologies like AI that could actually help to reduce that. Because if you if you think about the number of videos that get uploaded onto something like the TikTok platform on a, an hourly basis, um, you know they've all got to be looked at. They've all got to be checked um, for whatever uh, base level that they they're, they're, they accept as being acceptable to go onto the platform. Um, and you know we know, and this, the, the, uh, RTE ran a, a TV program a, a about the content moderators and, and how difficult a role it is. Um, you know some of the some of the things that they have to look at, some of the things they have to um, contend with. It, it's uh, it's a tough job, and I think if you can if you can automate some of that and take some of that horror away, I think uh, from from that role and make it a bit more of a meaningful role. And, and if this is a transition. That, that's happening with content moderation, then it may be for the for the better of the worker ultimately. But it doesn't stop the fact that we've got a you know that, that there's there are people who are have jobs. That's how they own their 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 living. I, I, th- I think there's a limited application in our experience from talking to the people that do the work. I mean, it's it's limited application for AI in terms of uh, reducing that exposure. I mean, Phil's absolutely right. It's extremely tough work. It's quite graphic at times some of the content these people need to review to the extent that they're oftentimes in the employment contracts that these people sign you know they're advised you know this could lead to PTSD this could lead to emotional and psychological upset and trauma and you know this is called out um, and now it's called out by the employer by the way just to protect themselves when a, when a person signs on on the dotted line to take up a position um, but the and fact is, is there any program to help somebody if they end up with well, PTSD? Well, well, well th- there is, of course. The, the employer would say there is. The, the, the CWU view would be is that there is not enough done. I mean, to, to protect these people. I mean, have the, there been CWU members that you know of who have ended up with PTSD? And that you know, n- n- that acronym is post traumatic stress disorder, which we normally associate with people who've been to war. Well, look, we don't have members that have been diagnosed with PTSD, mm. at least not when they've been members of our union. But certainly, I can tell you for a fact that we've had members who've left the job because they just can't deal with the content that they're forced to view. And look, it's a vital role. These people keep the internet safe for the rest of us. You know, they have to view stuff that they see the worst of humanity 
and they make sure that the worst of humanity is not exposed to the rest of us. And I mean, we're talking about people who do this job 40 hours a week on quite modest wages. Um, well, I was going to ask you about the pay rate. What's a, what's a typical pay rate? You're talking 34,000. 34,000? 34,000, yeah. Wow. And you, you think of somebody, for example, in a role who, who like for, ex, for example, psychology, somebody who, who spends their life listening to, yeah, you know, to, to, to people's problems. Like, in, an, in ideal circumstances, they might do that for 20 hours a week because that's the max, really, that you'd expect an individual to, to undertake such a, an all-encompassing, all-consuming role. These people do this for 40 hours a week. Um, now... Can Sorry. I just ask, uh, Phil, does that figure uh, at 34,000 euros, does that sound familiar to you in, in the industry for a, a content moderation position? Well, I suppose it's it, it's always going to be dependent on, on what type of company is uh, making the payment. But also, it's it's not necessarily what Accenture is willing to pay, but it's it's their client. Um, so whether it's, it's Google, Google or, or the Meta or, or whoever it happens to be is willing to pay. And clearly, you know, they, they, they see it as a as a lower pay role. Uh, I think as Ian says, it's it's... That shouldn't be the case because, you know, it, it is moderating the yeah. internet. It's keeping it safe. Because I suppose we've always assumed that people who are working for Google or Meta, even if they're indirectly employed by somebody like Accenture, that they're on very good money. With 34,000, I mean, you'd struggle to live on that in Dublin. You absolutely would. And, and I think Phil touches on a good point there. I mean, you're talking about companies like Meta, Google, uh, Microsoft, Amazon. You know, we all know how profitable those companies are. But they adopt this outsourcing model. And they adopt the outsourcing model because they're absolved of responsibility in, in, in doing so. And it puts them at arm's length from any kind of obligation to the staff that ultimately do the work that make these companies as prof- profitable as they are. So it's a, it's a very, very modest wage. And it does give light to the impression that, you know, that we've attracted these blue chip multinationals to this country and they pay fantastically uh, good wages. And the fact is, there's a whole ecosystem built up around these companies that don't pay anything like the six-figure sums that are often quoted as being the expected remuneration for for staff in, in the tech sector. And the 34000 is that a starting salary? Is that sort of mid-range? That would be starting salary. Uh, starting salary, okay. And are there... You know, bonuses on top of that? Do you get extra money for working a Saturday, Sunday? I don't know, whatever. There would be there would be some bonus structure, additional remuneration, but it would be limited enough. And just to add one other thing, like I've revealed that salary figure here, which is something no staff member can do, oddly. Do you know, like th- this is the extent to which they're limited by their non-disclosure agreements and by their contracts of employment. They can't discuss pay. Do you know, like I... To, to get that information out of a, out of a worker in content in the content moderation sector, in this case specifically in Accenture, was no easy thing to achieve because such is the prevalence of the culture of uh, of secrecy and and um, silence that they're being told you can't discuss your pay. Now that's for obvious commercial reasons. For example, in one instance, but the reality is for workers they feel that they've nowhere to go when they want to discuss these things, and as a result of that, it helps management to, to, to really effectively control the marketplace in a way that shouldn't be the case and uh, given the content or given the type of work that's been done by content moderators. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com.
I suppose we would have associated CWU in years gone by with the likes of Air. Yeah. Um, or on posts or companies like that, BT probably, telecoms uh, companies. That's kind of traditionally uh, yeah. your background. But this is this is pushing the boundaries of uh, representation for you in terms of uh, sectors and industries, isn't it? So just just yeah. wondering what kind of penetration you're finding now with the big tech companies. Ah, look, we... we, we, we we, our roots, you're quite right, are telecoms and, and postal courier. But like the telecoms industry is the tech sector in this country. They're they're intrinsically linked. We've we our members um, have built the 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 um, information superhighways all over the country. You know they've built the networks upon which these uh, uh, companies rely. So our members are very proud of the work they've done over over generations to build a fantastic telecoms infrastructure that the likes of, of Meta and Microsoft and Google and others now rely on. But on the back of that, we've always had uh, workers in the tech sector, um, like the workers in, you mentioned there, very much at the cutting edge of tech for the longest time before the blue chips arrived uh, in, into the country. So certainly in terms of our membership growth, which has been over the, the last sort of couple of decades in the tech sector, has grown in tandem with the evolution of the sector in the country itself. But I would see content moderation um, as absolutely part and parcel of, you know, uh, the ecosystem in which we we have membership. Like we have, um, apart from, you know, that we have members in Meta, we have members in Microsoft, we have members in Google. Um, but we also have members in a lot of the ecosystem companies are built around that, like Accenture. So it's absolutely part and parcel of the space that we're in. Have now. you ever sat down to negotiate a deal with you? I mean, you've had a lot of success over the years with the likes of Air and Ampost and other companies in the traditional telecoms and postal sectors in terms of negotiating frameworks for employees and negotiating pay deals and so forth. And even when it comes to redundancies, plenty of redundancies mm-hmm. at Air over the years, you've also been able to sit down with them and, and negotiate packages. So yeah. have any of the big tech companies actually sat down with the CWU and negotiated a deal of one sort or another? Uh, well, look, we, we've demonstrated a proven track record of being able to sit down with, you know, serious employers that want to do the best and the right thing by their staff in the context of voluntary exit programmes or voluntary leaving programmes. I mean, there was a time when Air or Telecom Air in, in its previous guise employed about 15,000 people. Uh, through automation, through the development of, of new technologies, we've seen that number reduced to about 3,500. And we negotiated all of those deals to protect the staff and make sure the redundancies were minimised and the packages were maximised where those happened. In the tech sector, there's been limited engagement. Um, I mean, look, that's a reflection of the fact that when the IDA and Michael Lowen goes out and sells Ireland as as a premium destination for investment, we're sold as, uh, you know, a non-union country, effectively. We have a voluntarist industrial relations model. So we very much need that to change. And it's interesting that government is now, and most recently Leo Varadkar is talking about the benefits of collective bargaining in terms of protecting workers' rights and enhancing social progress. So we think there's an obligation on companies like Accenture, like Microsoft, like Google, like Meta, to take up uh, that challenge and take it up seriously. I mean, I don't know what... So what do you want the government to do? Well, what I'd like the government to do is to transpose the EU directive um, on adequate minimum wages which makes provision or makes uh, uh, creates an expectation that all member states will have 80% collective bargaining coverage. So there's an obligation on our government to put what in place... What would the coverage be in Ireland now? It's probably about 30 or 40%, depending on how you cut it up. I mean, uh, collective bargaining coverage is determined by a number of different factors. But 
bottom line, we're way behind our European mm. partners. Now, we don't have the government or the IDA here to give their sort of view on this, but they might say, well, mm -hmm. hold on, you know, we're really tying our hands if we go to the market to bring in foreign direct investment and we say, listen, you're going to have to negotiate with unions on uh, pay and terms and conditions and, mm -hmm. and so forth. And, you know, the companies might respectfully say, well, that's great, good luck to you. Um, we actually might go somewhere else. Yeah, you would think that, but the truth is... We've proven that that's not the case. I mean, when the idea went out in its previous guise um, decades ago to sell Ireland as, as a destination, we attracted a massive amount of interest from, from the pharmaceutical sector. And back then, those companies that agreed to come to Ireland and invest in Ireland were told by the ministers of the day, this is a unionised country, we respect workers' rights, so we're go you're going to have to, if you invest in this country, deal with trade unions. Now, we have a booming pharmaceutical sector that's very well served by a number of trade unions across the country. It, and no one would seriously suggest that the involvement in tra of trade unions in those sectors has in any way hampered the investment. We're still at the cutting edge of pharmaceuticals. We're still at the cutting edge of life sciences. And trade unions have done nothing but add value to that equation. So why would the tech sector be any different? What are these companies... Uh, what are these companies afraid of if they involve trade unions? Yeah. I mean, and we've seen uh, in the United States uh, where Microsoft have signed a neutrality agreement and embraced the trade union movement. Uh, and we would like to see them do the same uh, here in Ireland and, and across Europe. And oh, fact. yeah, but we've also seen how it's not been easy for workers to get union recognition with Amazon. Oh, and absolutely. And that reflects a management culture that we think needs to change. But equally, if you let management go unchecked, you look at what happened in Twitter, right? I mean, there, were peop there are people that would suggest if you let a union into a workplace, they'll cause trouble and make things difficult. I mean, that, that's a myth. At this stage in 2023 in this country, no one seriously, I think, believes that. You, but you look at what happens if management are left untrammeled and unchecked. I mean, Twitter has become a shell of what it was once before. Yeah. And that was done by one individual who created a management culture that devastated the place. Sure, he paid $44 billion for the privilege, mind he you. Did, but yeah. Anyway, Phil, Phil Codd, what's, what's your view on that? I'm not here to kind of uh, sort of, uh, you know, should we have unions in, in the tech sector or not? But the tech sector has thrived over many, many decades, um, both in Ireland and, and globally, um, with or without unions. Uh, and to date, it's found its own level. Um, the, the, the market determines what people get paid. And actually, the people in the market determine what they get paid today. It's a very um, free, um, collective market out there. If I look at last year, um, you know, the, the, the level of movement in the market, people changing jobs, people changing jobs for an extra 5,000, 10,000 or more uh, wasn't unheard of. And that was the, 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 that was the bargaining capability of the individual. Um, and it certainly wasn't on the, uh, the foot of the, the employer. Um, so it, it, over the years, and I've worked for many of the multinationals that are here, you know, it has found its, its, its own levels. Um, not to say that you know, we, we shouldn't in, in embrace this and, and look at is this how we can protect both employees and employers going forward. But you know, I, I don't think that just by unionizing the technology sector, whether that would, would, would work, um, is, is going to solve you know, the problem of today. Uh, which is, you know, there's been a, a, a reduction of demand somewhere within the Accenture uh, ecosystem, and that's caused them to make that that decision. So, in terms of protecting the employer rights, uh, employee rights, uh, you know, yes, it should be there, and I, I hope and assume that Accenture plan to do that um, through the, the the types of um, uh, severance packages that they're putting together. Um, but 
you know, to, to say, well, that's going to solve our, our technology issue. I, I don't think that's, that's really where we need to go. And I come back to, you know, how well is the Irish market doing? How buoyant is it? And you, you also mentioned that the uh, uh, pharmaceutical sector, which is, I mean, it, it, it's somewhere around the 90, 95 billion euros a year sector um, and growing. Um, and tech is enabling a lot of that, and tech will continue to grow in that space. Um, and I think, you know, tech will continue to be a great uh, employment, uh, employment place for uh, many of these workers. So I, I'm, I'm not necessarily, as I said, I don't want to get into uh, uh, yeah. you know, how, uh, how, but, how the unions work. But. You know, on a broader, on a, how, how well do you think the tech companies that have laid off staff over the past 12 months, how well do you think they've actually treated the staff in terms of making that announcement uh, and, and handling the, the whole process around it? Because for anybody who's been laid off, anybody who's been made redundant, it's a fairly traumatic experience. It, it really takes the rug from under you. And a lot of the companies, I mean, Ian mentioned Twitter, and they handle it very badly. Let's let's face it, they handle it very badly. Yeah. And the, the person who was running the Irish operation had taken the court. Uh, and other companies, you know, we've heard stories of other companies similarly telling people to sit by their uh, by their computers and if you get an email or you don't get an email, you know whether you're in or out. Whatever. That doesn't sound like a very nice way to... No, I, I, I agree. But I, I suppose you've got to look at where are these decisions being made. Um, a lot of them seem to be being made in the US. And Does that got, matter? Well, it, it, it matters to that company. And, you know, they've got to follow whatever IR uh, uh, rules are in each of the countries they operate. But, you know, they'll, uh, they'll set the tone. And I know what it's like to be made. I've been made redundant five times through my working career. I'm not finished yet. And Did I, you join so, the union, Phil? Well, it may, maybe. <laughs> um, but... You know, it, it never stopped me from from being able to to, to go to work the following week. Um, so it's for me, it's an unfortunate incident, but it's part of working life. And that you know, there are the ebbs and flows for 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 any organisation, and particularly in the tech sector, where really your product is the the, the knowledge and the capability of the people, because they don't have products per se. Um, you know, if 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 you're if you're not selling uh, cornflakes, uh, you, you start to kind of wind back on the supply chain. And if you're not selling the services, um, then you've got to wind back on your supply chain ultimately. Um, and I, again, I don't know how long it's taken Accenture to make this decision. I'm sure it's taken them um, a long period of time uh, to, to figure out, is this the right way? Can we actually trade out of it? Um, you know, or are they simply moving this to uh, to, to lower cost? Well, actually, economies? it would suggest. I mean, the timeframes involved would suggest the opposite because they what four or five months ago, um, four hundred people have left the, the company in recent months, and it's only a short time ago that those uh, redundancies were implemented. And now here they are coming along again, looking for an even bigger number, a huge number, eight hundred and ninety roles to go in Ireland. It doesn't suggest like they actually had a plan worked out? Again, you know, not being in there is difficult to know what, what their plan was. What it might seem like is that there was uh, a hope 
somewhere back in at the beginning of this year. And hope is never a strategy. And the hope was that, well, we'll get this piece of business over here and that, that will keep the whole show running. Um, but again, it's, it, you, you've got to assume that that, that, you know, that was being taken into consideration. It reflect well there. on a company that sort of prides itself on being able to see around corners and to be able to provide uh, industry, uh, in-depth industry insights to clients, etc. that they can't do it for themselves. Yeah, they I couldn't I, see this coming. Again, you know, without knowing what the what all the decisions have yeah. been based on, I, without knowing the geographies that, that that they're involved in, and what's caused this major change for them, because it is a major change for them, because it's you know it's twenty percent or more of the the Irish workforce is yeah. going. I don't know what it is on a global basis, but that's a significant change for them, and I don't we actually don't know today what what's caused that change for them. And, and that's just the number that we know of. Just just to add one point. Like eight hundred and ninety, I think, is the number that's quoted. I mean, that doesn't reflect on the fact that there are a lot of people who are on a contract in Accenture, and they don't know if their contract is going to be renewed. So the number could actually be much bigger um, than eight hundred and ninety. But I, I think the point is well made that you would think an organisation of this calibre and standing would have been able to give some certainty to staff. I mean, four hundred went in March and. The best part of a thousand are going now, so it, it has created a real sense of of vulnerability and uncertainty within Accenture, and um, that has absolutely, you know, um, sunk morale to, to to the lowest possible point. Particularly in circumstances where people had been through, um, you know, the process in March, had survived the process in March, and then find themselves absolutely in the. I'm in really the curious about again. the content mm-hmm. moderation roles. We don't know how many. I, I presume you don't know. I don't know how many content moderation roles are make up part of this 890, but it's a chunk of them anyway. Um, content moderation is not going to, they're not going to reduce the amount of content moderation they're doing, presumably on behalf of their clients. Com- content moderation is something that's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. So so what's happening to these roles? Are they going elsewhere? Are they, are they going elsewhere because it's cheaper to go elsewhere? It's cheaper there are cheaper starting salaries than thirty-four thousand euro. There, there, there may be an offshoring element to this, but at this point, the news is so fresh. We, don't know. we, yeah. we just don't know. No, can, there are a lot of questions. I can't, I can't say for sure. No, I don't want to speculate, but I mean, we, we've seen what happens to social media platforms when they scale back on content moderation. I mean, I mean Twitter again to refer to that kind of uh, dustbin fire. You know, they they got rid of massive chunks of their content moderation staff, particularly in Ireland, and it had a profound effect on the quality of the user experience. So apart from all that, it's just in terms of keeping the internet safe, uh, what's going to become of these roles is, is unclear at this time. What the impact will be on the platforms that these people work on is yeah. not, is not clear. Is, is it only content moderation? I mean, there's, they've got no, clearly fi- there financial services, they've got back office services yeah. that they provide to the entire uh, Accenture group. Um, and again, if they're experiencing the downturn there, is is that what we're going to see? But my point I come back to is, Ireland has a vibrant market. These people, I would hope, will get absorbed into that market. We, we don't have uh, a great deal of, of, of unemployment in industry. So the fact that suddenly there's this high number of people uh, become available to companies like us, I mean, you know, we'll look to, to, to hire people, as will others. Um, it was very difficult to hire people last year. It's a little easier this year. But, you know, if, if there's some movement in the market... Um, that's kind of good for everybody else, perhaps, in that you know, we, we have now got um, another talent pool that we could tap into. Because it's yeah. outside of that, you know, you've got to bring 
um, you've got to bring the the, uh, the capability in. And you can see that by the immigration that's coming into Ireland. Um, and, you know, certainly from, from Asia, um, a, a large number of people have come into Ireland to, to, to help us with the demand that's there. And that demand isn't going away. Um, and I think, therefore, you know, as, as difficult it is for those folks um, in Accenture, and, and as I said, I, I've been there, so I know how bad it feels. Um, I think that, you know, within a very short period, um, we'll see them being taken well, in other areas. The IDA has said it will try and support those workers who are being uh, laid off. My understanding is that when something like this happens, the IDA tries to do a profile, working with the company tries to do a profile of the skill sets within the staff who are going to be impacted, uh, pulls that together and then goes to other companies in the market and says, listen, by the way, you know, a lot of people leaving Accenture, these are the kind of skill sets involved. Uh, you might be looking for people with those kind of skill sets. If you are, maybe we could, you know, maybe we could help uh, match them. I don't know, Phil, if you've ever come across that or... Yeah, I mean, we're we're an IDA supported company because we're we're a foreign direct investment type organisation. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, and um, you know, outside of you know, they're not they're not going to suddenly take uh, take the the, the payroll costs uh, for those individuals, but helping to support them, uh, help them with finding new roles, um, as well as inviting companies like us, you know, to participate. Now, obviously, you've got data protection issues, so they're not going to send the CVs of everybody uh, that, that's available, but certainly looking at the profiles, um, as well as, again, there's a, there's a very buoyant um, uh, agency market out there, recruitment uh, companies, headhunt firms, um, you know, they'll, they'll get pulled into it as well, um, because they'll have roles already available um, where they're looking for, for, for these types of people. Just to add, I, I think, look, Phil makes a good point, like, the market will hopefully provide for these people but I mean that's to get away from the fact that this is huge like this is 1300 staff in total now that have been basically uh, made redundant and I was listening to your podcast a few weeks ago and you had um, Michael Lohan in from IDA and he talked about being made redundant when he worked for Nortel and now he used very diplomatic language but he, he what he said was quite revealing he said it was emotionally very very draining for me and my family right now as the head of IDA he'd be circumspect enough in how he describes it. Sure. But we, we hear from these people on the effect it has on them in a cost of living crisis, in a, in a situation whereby their income is going to be, you know, come to a full stop, regardless of what the enhanced package might turn out to be. And it's a, it has a massive and profound impact on them. And what's more, within this 30-day consultation process, as, as it's currently prescribed by law, um the staff have to organise themselves and represent themselves in consultation with their employer. So what we would like to do, what we'd like to see is obviously we'd like to see Accenture embrace and recognise the CWU so we could represent the staff in, in a formal and pragmatic and organised way. But short of that, you have a group of staff, a massive group of staff, who are reeling from the fact that they've been made redundant and now are told, and by the way, over the next 30 days, we want you to sit down and talk to us about how we can minimise the, the impact of the redundancy as you as a group of workers. And that leaves them in a profoundly vulnerable um, uh, position and a complete imbalance of power. And really what should happen is there should be provisions made for the likes of the CW to come in and provide support, guidance, uh, if not a seat at the table directly uh, with Accenture to actually do the right thing um, by these. Do we know what kind of packages are going to be offered or what kind of packages were offered the last time? I, I think the last time it was four weeks Per right. year of service, but uh, how does that shape up time, against industry norms? It's not great. 
Honestly, it's not great. Um, like we we would often is that four weeks plus statutory or including it? It's four weeks plus plus, I believe. Yeah, but I have to be clear. Thankfully, none of our members were impacted by the exits in March, so we'll have a better sense of what the shape of this thing is in the next uh, week or two. But really and truly, you're you're talking about, in some cases, very short periods of service for some of these staff. So there there should be a very generous and enhanced package. I mean. Uh, we as a country, through the IDA, have made a choice, a conscious decision to attract these the, these companies here. We support them. And when staff are left in the, these vulnerable situations, the expectation should be that they are supported. I mean, they are an outsourced company, so there's an obligation on the blue chip multinationals behind these contracts to support Accenture, to support these staff. Yeah. Uh, Phil, you're at the coalface, uh, as we're doing business. Um, what, what are you seeing in terms of the Irish economy, in terms of activity levels? Because, you know, we got some data recently suggesting that we were in a technical recession and all of the main uh, economic think tanks and uh, IBEC and central bank and so on, they've all sort of pared back their expectations of growth here, GDP growth. Um, this year and and next. So what's your experience at the coal phase doing business sure. uh, in terms of activity levels? First of all, we are growing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's let's not take that away. Um, you know, inflation is coming down. It's relatively low compared to some uh, other European countries. It's not where we'd like it. We've still got high cost of energy. So that's still having a major impact. But I think if I go back to uh, the beginning of the year, uh, and I, I think um, I... I uh, published this, that we were expecting a growth of about 10% at the time. I'm seeing a growth at the half year of about 12%, so slightly up. Um, as I said, not as not as uh, uh, crazy, I think, as, as it was last year, but that was really on the back of uh, the end of the pandemic and people trying to catch up with everything that they were doing. So we're seeing, we're seeing growth. We're seeing, um, yes, certain organizations are pausing some decisions, but again, those decisions tend to be made outside of Ireland. So um, where, you know, you're working for an Irish blue chip company, decisions being made here. We're not seeing any real slowdown in the, the technology that's underpinning some of those changes. You know, we still need uh, digital uh, transformation. If we look at the banks, um, I, I know the Irish Times recently published, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, just the, the, the number of um, cashless transactions are taking place, and that's increasing. So somewhere along the line, technology has to come in and has to you know enable that, and it has to be checked, and we have to make sure that it doesn't increase the level of fraud activity. So you know, so banks get impacted by that. Um, we talked about the, the pharmaceutical industry, which you know, if we look at uh, you know people like Wuxi, Eli Lilly, Pfizer, they've all. Um, committed to large growth uh, manufacturing sites in, in, in Ireland. Um, I don't know whether there's the ability for some of these people that are in Accenture to be able to cross-train or be you know picked up there. And, and I think that would be something I'd like to see the government pick up on, which is, um, you know, what skills does a content moderator have that's transferable elsewhere? Because it's very difficult to find another content moderator job, I guess. Um, so what skills do they have? A lot of these people have language skills. Uh, which you know are still hugely uh, useful for us in, in Ireland, because let's not lose sight of the fact that we're we're now the only English-speaking country in Europe, um, and therefore companies come here and they want other European uh, languages as well. So I'd, I'd hope that 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 kind of gets picked up. Um, if we look at the telco sector, um, you know it's constantly evolving to try and keep change uh, a pace with change, um, and that's underpinned by technology. So everywhere you look. 
Every change that you see in an organization is underpinned by technology, and it requires people um, and companies such as Explio um, to, to, to come along and, and help and, and you know, provide that effort and yeah. that, that skills and knowledge. How many staff at Explio? 750 in Ireland and 17 sales globally. Right. And are you, are you hiring here or have yes. you retrenched at all? Um, we, no, we continue to hire. Um, summer is always a, a, is a quiet time. Um, but we've got, uh, we have our own recruitment team, um, in, in Dublin. And then, um, we, we obviously work with, uh, with other providers, other agencies. So we're continuing to hire and we know that other, um, tech players like ourselves are also hiring because we're competing. So there is that competition, um, at, at certain, for certain skills, um, particularly in software development, that's still, a, a, you know, an area that's, uh, that's growing despite, um, uh, people talking about AI taking over the world. I don't think that's going to happen just yet. Um, so, you know, those kind of skills, people that have uh, industry knowledge uh, and experience, they're still in, in, in high demand. So people that have deep tech skills are, are still very much in high demand. And we know this because, again, you know, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, what other countries uh, can we uh, can we actually work with or bring people in from. Right. So anybody at Accenture who's impacted by these job cuts. Um, drop us a line. Drop your line. Okay, well, there so you I'll go. Be, I'll be looking to meet Phil to do my next round of negotiations. <laughs> I think that's what it sounds like. If, if, our, if our members end up working in Explio. Let, let us know how you get on with that, Ian. I will, yeah. <laughs> we might do it, do it around this table the next time. Too. Okay. Ian, what's the next step uh, just in this, this Accenture uh, situation? I mean, there's probably no realistic chance that they're going to sit down with the CWU and actually negotiate on behalf of your members who are impacted. Isn't that, isn't that a sad indictment of the country that that, that is uh, altogether probably true? Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, look, we have a voluntary system, so they, they can't be compelled to come to the table. I mean, I mean, we'd like to think that they would. They benefit from huge amounts of government support and government contracts. And if the Taoiseach of the country supports collective bargaining, what are Accenture afraid of? In reality, what's the next best thing? I mean, look... As I said, if you put yourselves in the shoes of a worker now who's heard this news yesterday and they're facing a completely uncertain future and now they're being told, right, you need to organise yourself and your colleagues, we're going to sit down and have consultation meetings with you. So these people, like I'm a, I'm a full-time official, um, I'm a ne- paid negotiator, so I would be comfortable getting into a room to negotiate a deal f- on behalf of these staff. But if you're a content moderator, if you work in finance, if you work in quality assurance, if, you know, if you're working in customer support, in Accenture and now you're being thrown into a situation whereby we want you to come into a room and sit down with senior management and, and you know, hash out a deal to protect you and your colleagues or to minimise the redundancy. I think it's a completely unfair and untenable position to be putting people in in this day and age. So I would like Accenture to acknowledge that. I'd like them to make provision for uh, the CWU to be able to support, advise and guide uh, these staff. If we're not welcome at the negotiating table and I would you know, reluctantly accept the reality of that situation until um, we, we, we have legislative changes in this country. Um, I think the next best thing, I mean, they should do is to make space for a trade union like the CW to support the staff in these circumstances. Like this, this company, just to be clear, you know, in their, in their, you know, ESG stuff, they talk, they make lots of public statements about the importance of their staff and the ingenuity of their staff and the importance of equality and how they want everyone to have a build the best career they can while working for Accenture. Publicly, that's fine. Privately, sadly, you're probably correct here, and they're going to say, we don't deal with trade unions. And, and I mean, that's a, that's a kind of a, a damning indictment on, on the way things are. So we do think there should be a role 
uh, made for us to support the staff um, in this very, very difficult and vulnerable situation. In, d- during the 30-day um, period now, those individuals are entitled to bring representation with them. So are they able, I presume they can bring somebody from CW with them when they're at the table? Look, in my experience, none of the, particularly the American multinational companies who come from a particular cultural perspective and view of the labour movement and the trade union movement generally, which is, you know, we, we don't let them in the room, we don't have anything to do with them. Um, and that's been that's been my experience in, okay. in, in these situations to date. Um, but an individual is entitled to bring somebody with them into the room. No, I'm not sure that that's the case. I, I think the employers will have some jurisdiction over who gets to sit in the room. Um, I, I think that's worth having a look at. Okay, um, perhaps worth exploring on another podcast. But in the meantime, I'd like to thank uh, Ian McArdle of the CW and Phil Codd of Explio for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Ian McArdle and Phil Codd for joining me on the show. Suzanne Brennan produced this episode with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Mm-hmm. Remember, as a subscriber to the Irish Times, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.